The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. This afternoon, Ecclesiastes 9.13, and then we're going to go into chapter 10. Ecclesiastes 9.13 through 10.7 is our text. Let's now give our attention as God speaks to us in His Word. Ecclesiastes 9.13 through 10.7 I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There is a little city with few men in it, and a great king came up against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. The anger of a ruler rises against you. Do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low places, in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking. On the ground like slaves. Well, this concludes the reading of God's word. May God now be pleased to add his blessing to it. Have you ever had something almost perfect, but then one thing ruin it? Well, perhaps it was a wedding day, and right before the ceremony, as people typically do, eat and get a mustard stain on a wedding dress. Or maybe you took a family photo and everybody looked just glorious, but there's that one kid picking his nose or making a silly face that ruined the picture. Or you're laying out in a hammock, perfectly peaceful, calm day, this one aggressive fly keeps bugging you. Or you can think of a whole reputation that's ruined because of one simple thing. Think of the story of Gilbert Gottfried. He used to be the voice of the Aflac duck. You know, Aflac. doesn't even need to change his voice. He just sounds exactly like it. Well, after the tsunami hit Japan in 2011, he posted this on social media. He says, Japan is really advanced. They go to the beach, or they don't go to the beach, the beach comes to them. 
And since Aflac was the largest insurance company in Japan, that one statement, he was immediately fired. All it took was one thing. Well, wisdom is always superior and is to be desired a bunch, uh, above folly. And yet, all it takes is a little bit of folly, a little bit of foolishness, and it can undo wisdom. So while wisdom is to be pursued and desired, Solomon reminds us, in this sin-cursed world, in this vain world, it can be undone. And if just a little bit of folly can overthrow much wisdom, it shows us the need for a perfect wisdom that can deliver us from this vain and foolish world. And so we're going to look at two vulnerabilities of wisdom in the sin-cursed world of vanity. First, that it's dishonored, and second, that it's wasted. So first, dishonored. Solomon begins with a story of great wisdom. He says in verses 14 and 15, There is a little city with few men in it, and a great king came up against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there is found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. So first off, this is a little city. A small population. And that alone puts it at a disadvantage, especially back during that period. And this is even more so the case when a great king goes up against it. It's one thing to have a king go up against a small city without a king, but this is not any old king. This is a great king, and he has great siege work. So this great technology he has against this small city with few people without a king. In other words, this little city has no chance. This is an impossible situation. But we go on to read something shocking, especially for the ancient Near Eastern world. The small city with a small population, no great weapons, no great king, no great technology was delivered. And that would give any ancient Near Eastern reader whiplash. They would say, no way. How? And Solomon says what well, they were delivered by a poor man. And now the ancient Near Eastern reader is saying, no way, get out of here. That can't be. But Solomon says that this happened because it was a result of wisdom. It was by wisdom that the city was delivered. And so we see the great power of wisdom. It, outsmarting the enemy has greater power than the greatest power. Now, the ancient Near Eastern reader is dying to know, well, how did he do it? But we are not told. We are told, at the end of verse 15, yet no one remembered that poor man. And no one remembered this poor man. Hence, we don't have his name, and we don't know what he did. Because it's not remembered. And this whole story should really disappoint us. Great wisdom should have led this man to being remembered and having even the city named after him. However, despite delivering the whole city from really an impossible situation, he's not remembered, he's not honored, 
The honor that was due to him was not given. So we see that while wisdom has great advantage, and that's Solomon's point here in the story, yet in the sin-cursed world, it can be wasted. It can be dishonored. It does not turn out the way it should be. Nevertheless, Solomon goes on to affirm in verse 16, but I say that wisdom is better than might, though that poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Solomon says, despite it not working out, don't think that wisdom is not good. Wisdom is a good thing, as illustrated by the story. And even though his words were not heard, Solomon says in verse 17, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. It's usually the case, we see it in our day, don't we, that the, the loudest are usually the ones that have the most attention drawn to them, even if they're in, in a minority position. And even though someone may be in the minority in an issue because they are shouting on the streets in the loudest, they tend to get the most attention. However, better still is wisdom hurting quiet. But there's not much attention drawn to it than the loudest and the proudest. For Solomon is illustrated here with this story, wisdom is better than might and even weapons of War, he says in verse 18. And yet we go on to read at the end of verse 18, but one sinner destroys much good. So wisdom is definitely superior. Nevertheless, all it takes is one sinner. Notice just one to destroy much good, even the good that much wisdom has produced. Which brings us to the second vulnerability of wisdom, and that is not only is it dishonored, can be wasted. To illustrate the point from verse 18 that one sinner destroys much good, Solomon goes on to say in 10.1, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So back in that day, a perfumer would have these containers of ointment. And as you know, a strong smell like that attracts flies, and other bugs. And you want to catch those, those little fruit flies, what do you do? Take a cup of vinegar, and it, it attracts them. It's that strong smell. Well, flies would get into these ointments and then die. And that would then give off a stench that ruined the perfume. Just a little stench. Today, our, the, the, the proverb that would be tantamount to this is, the fly in the soup, you, know, you have this nice meal and all it takes is one little bug to destroy it and now it's, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, that's what he's saying here. The whole really tasty soup, the really good thing is ruined by just a little thing. And this is the way it is with just a little falling. Just a little bit of it outweighs wisdom and honor. You can say one million wise things and say one really stupid thing, and your whole credibility can be ruined. You know, of a pastor who served 20 years, and he wrote a couple of really good books. And he, he did a very good job, as far as you can tell, leading his church. And yet he committed adultery once. And... His whole reputation is ruined. 
And now the things he wrote are called into question. There was a cathedral that was being built in Europe many, many years ago. And as it was being built, about three-fourths of the way through, the whole thing came crashing down. And when they went to investigate, they realized that that the whole thing coming down was caused by one single bad stone. One single bad stone. And the whole building came crashing down. One pastor put it this way. It takes it just takes an ounce of idiocy to tip the scales over stockpiles of wisdom and goodness and beauty. So while wisdom outweighs great strength and might, as we saw in that story, yet a little bit of folly can end up overthrowing wisdom. But we see that both wisdom and folly come from the heart. Where does this come from? What comes from man's heart? Verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the the left. So the heart's the center of the person. This is where his affections lie. This is where his will lies. It's the seat of his desires and love that drive his actions. Whatever is in his heart will dictate his actions. We can't blame it on the circumstances, ultimately. The circumstances simply reveal what is going on in the heart. And so the wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but the fool's heart in the other direction to the left. I know what some of you are thinking. (laughs) However, Solomon is not talking about 21st century politics. Uh, The terms right and left did not refer to what political inclination one had back then. Rather, that the right was used to refer to that which is honorable, uh, to be at someone's right hand, uh, referred to the place of honor. And hence, Jesus used this as an illustration for the Day of Judgment, right? The sheep are on his right, but the goats are on the left. And so to be inclined to the right is to be inclined toward that which is honorable, noble, and good. To be inclined to the left, to that which is opposite. That which is opposite of being honorable and good. That which is foolishness and bad. And this heart inclination is made manifest in one's walk. We see in verse 3, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. So even something as simple as walking down the road, his foolishness is made known to everyone. Now, by saying that he says to everyone he's a fool, it's not that he's going up and introducing himself as that. Hi, my name's Johnny, and I am a fool. That's not what's being said here. Rather, it's just his foolishness is made known. Even in the simple mundane thing of walking down a city street, His manner and way of life reveal who he is as a fool. But Solomon now returns to wisdom, this time coming off the streets and into the royal arena. Verse 4, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. So Solomon says, okay, I'm going to give you some wise advice in case 
you find yourself in the presence of a ruler who is angry at you. Now, of course, in our day, uh, it's different. In their day, this literally their life was literally on the line. A ruler had a right to kill them. And Solomon says, remain calm and do not respond in like manner. Staying calm de-escalates the situation even for a ruler. However, if you start to respond in like manner, you get up and you leave your place. Disregarding his presence, which is uh, something that was a serious offense back then. Storming out. Then you end up raising the temperature in the room. But if this calmness works for a ruler, then how much more for others? And so it works for a boss or a spouse or a coworker or a friend. You might get angry. We remain calm and don't raise our voices, shout back, repay insult with, with insult. Having self-control is a demonstration of wisdom. And so that's what Solomon is call, calling for here. And this even lays great offenses to rest. And then Solomon returns back to foolishness. It seems like he's going back and forth because that's the way life is. Verses 5-7. through seven, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in, high, in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. So Solomon now describes an error that proceeds from a ruler. It doesn't say what that error is, but it seems to be a common thing. And basically what Solomon is saying is this is what happens when there's bad leadership. That is where you have in a place where there should be wisdom, a place of authority. There's foolishness instead. And this is the result. Folly ends up getting set in many high places. Many bad leaders get chosen and put in positions of authority. Meanwhile, the rich sit in a low place. And this seems to be saying that, that the rich that should have power, usually do have power, don't have power. They cannot use their money. They are not in a position to utilize their money as they see fit. But rather, the foolish leaders are using it and preventing them from, from it being used for good. And because of their terrible leadership, everything is upside down and topsy-turvy. Slaves are on horses, it says. And this is upside down in their world. Uh, slaves would be walking on the ground next to the horse while a king would be on the horse because a horse was a symbol of power and authority. But here we see the opposite. It's the king that's on the ground that's in the place of the slave leading the horse. While the slaves in the position of the king on the horse. And this is the point. Everything is backwards, upside down and topsy-turvy because you have foolish leadership. Wise people should be in leadership while fools in low positions. But here we see fools in positions of high authority and this is wisdom wasted. And therefore, everything is backwards. Because this is backwards, where fools are in a position of authority rather than the wise, everything ends up being backwards. Wisdom has been wa wasted. It is not found where it should be found. And we've seen this, haven't we? 
our day. But we're reading about it 3,000 years ago. There truly is nothing new under the sun. Because we live in a vain world where wisdom is dishonored and wasted. You can exercise wisdom, and it is not honored, but even despised by the very ones who benefited from wisdom. You can have wisdom, but then waste it by one foolish word or action. Wisdom is not where it should be, in the high places, but instead it's backwards. Foolishness is found there. This is the reality of the vain world we live in. It's not the way it should be. We should not seek this. We should seek the opposite. And yet, in this vain world, this is the way it is. And it can sadden and frustrate us. But thankfully, God, by His infinite wisdom, reversed this. And exalted wisdom through what the world perceives as foolishness. Our Lord Jesus is the poor man who alone saved the city of God, all the people of God by His wisdom. We were few, not many noble, not many wise, not many powerful. We were helpless against the enemy, against the powers of darkness, fallen angels, sin, death, and the devil. This is worse than a great human king rising up against a city. We had the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, in whose power lies the whole world against us. We were in his grip, held captive to do his will, him having power over us, keeping us in lifelong slavery through fear of death. We surely had no chance against this spiritual king and against his schemes. But Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor. And by his wisdom, and not by might, but by His wisdom, He delivered us. Delivered us against the forces of darkness and evil by becoming a curse for us to pay for all our sins. And in that, He triumphed over Satan and these spiritual powers, as Colossians 2.15 says. By His death, He defeated death for us. While the, while the world sees this as foolishness, we who are saved see this as the wisdom and power of God. Who would ever come up with a plan as this? God to become a man, to be crucified in our place, to become a curse, to deliver us from the curse and defeat death. This Prince of Peace became our slave. So that as slaves of sin would be brought to a place of honor, even as depicted in Revelation by those coming back with Him, His own people, riding on horses. 
The Lord by His wisdom has dealt with this sin-cursed, vain world. For wisdom is often dishonored and wasted and everything is turned upside down. But God has reversed that. Doing the opposite of what this world would call wise. And this wisdom, this gospel wisdom, is not going to be despised. And this poor man, our Lord Jesus Christ, will never be forgotten, but will be forever honored for His great deliverance of rescuing us helpless sinners. So may we take great encouragement in this. When we see our world upside down, we receive foolishness exalted and wisdom wasted. Because here we have no lasting city. But we are seeking that city which is to come, which Christ by His perfect wisdom has alone saved and protected and against which the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Even though everything is upside down in this world, and we are often discouraged by that, but may we remember that there's a city to come of which we are a part that will never be shaken, where everything will be perfect, where wisdom will reign supreme by wisdom incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for that hope that we have. Thank You for the wisdom and power that's found in the Gospel. Thank You for granting us the faith to believe. We ask this in Christ's name. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.